<laughs> okay. Uh, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of HP Critical. It's a podcast where my friends and I talk all things gaming. I am Jarrell, and I am joined by Brandon. Yo! And Kelly. Everybody. And our wonderful special guest, Chris Penwell. Hi! Um, so if you've listened to the HP Critical Podcast before, you've heard Chris before because he came onto our uh, What is Kingdom Hearts segment and told yes. me all about Kingdom Hearts. And I'm so happy to have you back, Chris. Thank you for coming mm-hmm. back uh, to talk Thank with you. us. Thanks for having me. Oh my god, of course. Like, literally anytime. Just let me know. Mm-hmm. Like, literally anytime. Cool, cool, cool. Um, and I've already, I said this last podcast, but once again, happy Pride Month, everyone. Um, yeah, a lot of what we're going to... <laughs> a lot Hello. of what we're going to talk I, about is... I wasn't on Wait, this what? podcast, so I will say happy Pride Month. Happy Pride Month, everyone! You were not, Brandon! Oh my god, yeah. You missed out. You missed on our Pride party. We 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 had a like a total Pride party. You missed it, bro. It's, so, it's cool. It's it was watching. banging. I, I, will watch, I will watch the VOD and be there in spirit. <laughs> so, um, before I hop into uh, this week's gaming news, I'm going to put Chris on the spot just for a second. Uh, uh, immediately! So <laughs> <laughs> just uh, just so you can tell, you know, listeners a little bit about yourself and what oh. you do. Oh, okay. Um, I, I, I'm glad you, you just asked that rather than something a bit more personal, I guess. <laughs> oh! <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm a freelance writer. I'm doing stories for uh, XP, uh, Nintendo Link, and soon Tech Raptor. So, yeah. That's what I do. We don't mm-hmm. ask any... Um, after dark questions until after 9 p.m. So you've got like an hour before I start getting intrusive. <laughs> before, uh, <laughs> like, serious questions. You've got an hour before I get a little intrusive. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, anyway, so uh, because it is Pride Month, I, of course, found a bunch of Pride stuff to talk about. And the first thing I want to talk about is uh, Pride 22 at Twitch. Um, Twitch is celebrating LGBTQIA plus creators all month long. And they have this whole like Twitch Pride 2022 month thing that they're going to do. And before I go over uh, a little bit of what they said that they want to do, um, what is you guys' experience with Twitch celebrating Pride? If you, like, have you seen it before? Is it something that you think is prevalent enough that if you log on to Twitch, you will see? Do you think they're doing a good job? Do you think they're doing a bad job? Before I go over what their plans are, just in general, how do you feel Twitch does with uh, Pride? Terrible. I've Absolutely seen, terrible. I've, I, can't, I can't disagree. I've seen nothing. <laughs> No, honestly, it's it's bad because like like four or five months ago, I was streaming and I got hate raided. Mm. You, you know, so the, the, you know, I'm, I've I've heard a lot of people get go through that. So uh, thankfully, it's less prevalent now. But at the time, it was just awful to to deal with, and it feels like on Twitch, like there's nowhere to go to get support for that. But I don't know. Mm, that's very very true. Yeah. Um, what about you, Kelly? Yeah, um, I was just actually opening Twitch to look, and it's like one, two, three, four. There's four things above the Pride Celebrate Pride, uh, <laughs> you know, carousel. We had the same problem with um, every other, you know, celebration month for anyone uh, on Twitch. It's at the bottom of the screen. There's really no point. Um, like even them saying they're gonna do it um they don't really i feel like know what people really want Mm -hmm. like they just select i don't know i don't even know how they select who they select (laughs) (laughs) um yeah no i mean they do have it and they try i guess but they just it's not on the forefront those people aren't at the top banner you know it's just 
it's not they're the center of attention like it should be, you know? Yeah. The funniest part is, I feel like in the past, they did have everything at the top banner. Like, when it was prevalent, when something mm -hmm. happened in the news, they were like, okay, we're gonna put it at the top banner. And now that it's, like, not prevalent um, to Twitch, because obviously it is, um, now that it's not prevalently in the news, it's kind of just like, you want to find, like... Uh, LGBT pride uh, celebrations and creators, you've literally got to scroll to do so. Brandon, did you want to hop in on that before I tell everyone what they plan on doing? Uh, no, I, I don't really have much more to say, just, yeah, go on and tell us. Alright, um, so starting June 1st, they'll be, they'll be kicking off a Pride Month across the pond in the UK, France, Germany, Spain, and Italy with local front page features, social and email spotlights, and a special festival weekend jam-packed with amazing LGBTQIA plus creator content. Um, they're going to have a month-long celebration on that side of the globe. Um, they're also having Out Loud Raising Voices Music Festival, hosted by the City of West Hollywood as part of the inaugural WeHo Pride celebration, with Marina, Lil' Kim, Jesse J, Years and Years, and Madison Beer as some of the headliners. The Out Loud Raising Voices Music Festival is a three-day Award-winning LGBTQ plus music festival profiling and celebrating queer artistry as a kickoff concert uh, to Pride Month. Um, and you guys can go and join that. You can't because it's in the past. Um, <laughs> so if you missed it, sorry, but if you missed it, to watch it somewhere. Because, yeah, you could watch it somewhere. But if you missed it, it's also because Twitch did a really shitty job at advertising it. Oh, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. There's also a Twitch prom, Ch Team Transtopia, which is a Twitch stream team comprised exclusively of transgender and gender diverse content creators, is hosting its first annual Twitch prom. Um, and they also have some fundraisers for charity going on that you can um, go through Streamlabs and select, uh, or you can go and uh, celebrate uh, and donate to different uh, LGBTQIA plus streamers um, through fundraisers and th through the creative camp on charity streaming. So those are just some of the things that Twitch has noted, and I did want to, even though um, I believe I believe that we all feel like they aren't doing enough and they never have, I did just want to shout out those things. Um, I don't think that those things change much of any of the conversation that we had before. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, most of them seem yeah. to be things not specifically done by Twitch, but Twitch advertising things done by other people and companies. So that's a thing. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to get that out there so everybody knows what Twitch is doing or has done for Pride. And if you do want to find creators, you can go ahead and scroll down on the front of the Twitch page. Um, yeah, they're not great at celebrating. Never mind, I, I'm, I'm actually done. Uh, before I move on, any comments on any of that? It just feels disingenuous. Yeah. I, I don't know. It just doesn't celebrate the community on Twitch. Mm -hmm. If, you know, like, everyone feels separated, it'd be nice to have something that brings everyone together in, in some way, you know? Like, highlight specific, like, people on the front page, like, during a stream or something. Maybe have them all come together for, like, an event. I don't, I don't know. But uh, I think Twitch should be doing more than just doing the superficial stuff with like art musicians like that's something i don't get about twitch as well this focus on music recently like it's it's about games it's, it's about gaming yeah so why why are you doing all these concerts and stuff you should be celebrating the gaming community and games and all that but yeah i'm actually so happy you said that because that brings me to another point that i was not going to bring up but since you brought it up i'm gonna bring it up um so there is not really and please correct me if i'm wrong but there's not really a space for lgbt plus gamers to enjoy themselves um online 
aside from something like Twitch. And I mean that in a space that is big enough and wide enough with enough reach, like something um, like Twitch that will allow people to create communities, right? Like, of course, you can have your your specific discords. Of course, you can have your group of friends. You can have your like um, game game shops, uh, your local game shops. But there really is nothing, mm-hmm. I think, for the LGBTQIA plus gaming community as a whole that can celebrate what um, what pride is and what um, what it means to be a gamer. Aside from Twitch, um, of course, you can do things like. Final Fantasy 14, obviously, you can have, like, an entire... Like, they have, like, entire Pride celebrations within that game. So, like, yes, you can Uh do things within specific games. But I think as... Looking forward as a platform, Twitch would be the place to go if I, you know, were a streamer who was LGBTQIA. I, I obviously don't stream, like, we stream on HP Critical, but I, I don't stream personally. Um, but if I did, like, I would want to go there and find my community. Like, it, it's... I think one of the only places to do so. So it's very reminiscent of what you said. Like, it it seems very disingenuous because that's not what we're going to Twitch for, right? Like, great, it's a concert that you guys aren't even hosting. Uh, great, you're doing stuff, you know, across the pond that you're also not hosting. Great, you have content creators that I can find, but like, I've got to scroll through them. So the one place that I think really has um, the potential to become a community for LGBTQIA plus gamers is not doing that or not allowing that to be done. Um, and, and I wish that there was somewhere else that we could do those types of things. Um, but, you know, Twitch is just the big gaming sphere. And it, it just, I, I, I mean, if you guys know of anything, please correct me if I'm wrong. If there's like another place that uh, LGBT plus gamers can go to just be themselves and celebrate themselves and celebrate pride. But I really think that's it. And so every year, this is just Twitch continually dropping the bomb for so many of its uh, users and viewers and content creators. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to move on before I go into another impassioned speech. Uh, The state of play and the Pokemon trailer happened um, last week. Yes, last week. Yes. Uh, Christy and I talked about it on a bonus episode of the HP Critical Podcast. So I don't want to go into it too much, um, but I do want to start by saying that it is Summer Game Fest. It is the beginning of Summer Games 2022. We are looking forward to a ton of games that are supposedly coming out within this year and next year. Um, and there's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, I do want to talk about Capcom really quickly. So, uh, Capcom is having their own showcase, and it is called the Capcom Showcase. Uh, it is a new live stream <laughs> digital event bringing you the latest Capcom game information. It is going to be on June 13th, um, 3 p.m. PT for around 35 minutes of news and in-depth updates on previously announced Capcom titles. So, I know we've got Resident Evil, I know we've got Monster Hunter, I know we've got Street Fighter. How do you guys feel about Capcom now having their own 35-minute showcase? With no E3, remember, there's no E3 this year. Right. I th- Go ahead, Chris. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. Um, I think Capcom has a lot to show. Um, personally, they have Reverse still that hasn't been uh, released yet. And That's they could have <laughs> fixed a few things of that game and could have made it a bit more appealing uh, with the extra time. Like, it's almost been a year, hasn't it? Or something like that. So it'd yeah. be great to see that game and see if it is actually good. Like, I, I would predict that it just gets shadow dropped uh, during the day of the showcase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then uh, for Dragon's Dogma 2, I think, would get shown as well. 
just because they have the 10th anniversary site up. Um, they seem like they want to celebrate that. And they had the anime on Netflix recently, so it feels like that's a brand that they want to keep going with. So I think Dragon's Dogma 2 is going to be shown. And also it was leaked during the Capcom... Uh, it was like a schedule of like games mm. to be announced, and uh, Dragon's Dogma 2 was one of them. So, yeah, I think we'll see that. Um, we could see another Phoenix Wright game. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> could see another Phoenix Wright game, like maybe just for the Switch this time, and it's not like a port of an old game. It's like something new. Um, and then, uh, oh, Pragmata as well. I think oh. we'll see some sort of gameplay for oh that. My God, I forgot yeah. about that game. Yeah, so I, I think it'd be interesting to see what exactly it is. and It looks trippy, so I'm looking forward to seeing more. It was delayed, wasn't it? Yes, it was delayed okay. into next year. So I feel like now it's in that realm of like maybe like a gameplay tease could be shown uh, just to see what it's like. Yeah, I mean, they did show us a lot of their VR stuff. Resident <laughs> Evil 8 and VR coming up. Yep. Um, Resident Evil 4 remake we've seen. Um only thing I hate about this, and I hate any company that does this, is when they only have like 30 to 35 minutes of stuff to show off. I literally hate that. Because I feel like if you have something new and exciting to show, I don't want it in like a five minute reel. <laughs> I want enough yeah. information to like whet my appetite that I know something great is coming up. I hate yeah. when Pokemon does it. They love doing like a 35 minute, like here's here's <laughs> like the starters and like we're going to show them flashing really quickly and show you some box art. Okay, bye. I hate when companies make big announcements and only give us 30 minutes of information. I feel like it's never, for me, it's never enough. So if you're going to go out, Capcom, give me an hour's worth of everything that Chris just mentioned, and I'll be happy. Don't give me 35 minutes of Resident Evil that I've already seen at the PlayStation oh, Showcase. We we've, we know, I think they just teased this today, that Resident Evil 4 Remake gameplay is going to be shown um, during the Capcom Great. Showcase. Great, so I've got so. 35 minutes, and I'm just going to see... you got three minutes like of it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't want to see that. <laughs> like, I, like, I, it's, not, it's not exciting to me. Ugh. But yeah, that, I I have I'll just watch and see. Uh, Brandon or Kelly, anything you're expecting from the Capcom showcase or want to see or anything? <laughs> well, I will say I'm very glad Chris spoke first because before, <laughs> no, no, I'm, I actually very very glad because before what I was going to say was like um, the idea of Capcom doing their own showcase. Like, here's the thing: obviously, Capcom has a lot of IPs, a lot of projects, and but my thinking until he spoke was like, but how many of those IPs? are we expecting to come out in the forefront? Like, which ones do we expect to come now? And then he just lifts it off a bunch of them that I didn't even consider. Like, I didn't even hear about the Dragon's Dogma <laughs> 2 thing, and I was like, wow, that is a that is a real possibility, and more than likely we'll actually be there. Um, they confirmed Resident Evil 4. Like, there is a lot of potential stuff there. We, I, they also confirmed more Street Fighter um, 6 will be there as well, so we'll get that as well. Um <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, you I gave me 35 minutes. That's literally like eight minutes already of things I've already seen. And then Sunbreak yeah. is going to be there too. The Monster Hunter. Oh, that's Rice. true. Expression, yeah. Great. Oh, no, there's oh, no, first I, 10 minutes. Oh, I know Grace is going to love that. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot that can be shown, but it's just a matter of how much. Because then again, it's only 35 minutes. And I, I wonder if something like, if, if E3 had not been outright canceled, I wonder if a showcase like this would even happen, or if has Capcom just taking advantage of the fact that E3 is not there to kind of like 
show off what they're working on because, you know, we got those announcements of the state of play. This is clearly more focused on what their stuff. Mm-hmm. It's it, I, I just wonder, like, how do, how do I put this? Is it going to be like 35 minutes and like 10 something announcements or is it going to be 35 minutes and like three or four announcements and just like send an extended amount of time on each of them, you know? Mm. And, and that's, and that's yeah. I guess, the biggest question. I just wonder how much new stuff is going to be shown as well as just, like, trailers for, like, stuff we already know about that's just going to get it more gameplay. I'm just wondering how the balance is going to be. I think it'll be exciting either way because there's some exciting stuff from Capcom on the yeah. horizon, but uh, I'm just wondering how the balance is going to be. I would love some more Ace Attorney Fleece. <laughs> that's, that's probably yeah, my Last year's wasn't that good, though, so just keep that in mind. They did do one last year, and it was terrible. Yeah, no, last so. yeah last year's Capcom was not good. Yeah, I, I, no. I, 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 I definitely remember that. <laughs> And yet, I, and yet, I still have hope that this one will be good. I don't know what's wrong with me, but here we'll we'll, we'll see yeah. what how it goes. <laughs> I also just love that they just called it the Capcom Showcase. Like, yeah, that's great. Just call it <laughs> yeah. what it is. Like, be, exactly. No need like, to be extra. Wasn't very creative. In a world where so many companies are out here making like Nintendo Direct, State of Play, Stadia Connect, Sonic Central, yeah. they're just like Capcom Showcase. Come watch them. Like, yeah, yeah, it's thanks. great. <laughs> it's great. I will watch yeah. because it's. It's exactly what it is. Thank you. I don't like all the extra stuff. I don't like when I'm writing an article about it and I gotta go look up what it's called. Yeah. It's just called the Capcom Showcase. Thank you. Either people it's will either call thing, it, see. People will either call it the thing show the, the company showcase or company direct or whatever. Very few mm-hmm. people call these like I hear so many people call, Oh, I can't wait for the Sony Direct. I'm like, that's not what it's called, but I get it. Bro, I always <laughs> say the PlayStation Direct all the time because like, that's just so easy. I'm just like, yeah, just make sure I don't type PlayStation Direct and I'll be fine. But I say yeah, it sure. all the time. Right, right, right. <laughs> I, I hope we also get a Mega Man Battle Network collection. Oh, please! Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. yeah. That'd be cool. That'd be we, cool. Because I, I, I didn't like those games as a kid, but I want to give it another go. Neither did I. I'd love to give it another go. Oh, so. I actually hate that I brought this up because now I feel like we've hyped up this Capcom showcase of 35 minutes way more than it's going to be. I feel like I'm yeah. already just out-hyped myself. I, 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 can, I cannot wait for us to, to, to be disappointed be in the disappointed. Capcom showcase. <laughs> I can't wait to be disappointed and talk about it in this podcast about how disappointed we are. Just like, just like, just start like this and just like. This is y'all fault. I wasn't expecting anything. And now you guys have my expectations yeah. up here. So it's like, it's, we can agree to record another show after this, this e- so that I can blame season. And then you can just blame me for it. <laughs> Kelly, I know that you like scary stuff. Um, I don't know if you saw if you saw the PlayStation State of Play, but is there anything from Capcom that you'd like to see or would be interested in? Um, yeah, I mean, they kind of blew their load at the you know the State of Play for me for Capcom. Like, uh, they're they got Resident Evil. Uh, that's like literally that's literally it. Uh, so, um, I mean. Yeah, I guess I would look at more of that. If they didn't announce a Resident Evil game of some kind, I would never watch a Capcom so- showcase. Yeah. What if Dead Ri- um, what, what if Dead Rising comes back? Dead Rising. It's, that that series is just SOL. It's it's, gone. I, it's it hasn't been, okay. it hasn't been doing so well. Four didn't not do not do that well. I, don't I could see a remake happening, but maybe like two or three years and. <laughs> 
I do have one more story I want to talk about on Capcom, which I, I brought up because I just thought it was super cool, and I literally don't know how this is a thing that can happen. Um, but Street Fighter VI is going to feature a real-time uh, commentary. So, in, like, the most mind-boggling magical thing I've ever heard, um, you, you will be able to, as you're playing the game, from my understanding, you will be able to uh, get voices from prominent commentators in the Street Fighter um, FGC area. Uh, they will have, I assume, pre-recorded lines, and then they will be able to commentate your game in real time while you're playing. So essentially, like, if Brandon and, my, Brandon and I are playing uh, Street Fighter 6, and we want real-time commentary to really make our game feel like we're like in the moment, um, that's a feature that can just be apparently turned on, and I thought that shit was so cool. And I had to talk about it on the podcast, because, like, that's- how does this work? That's kind of dope because, I, I mean, sports games, sports video games have been kind of been doing that for a while where they'll have like real, you know, actual ESPN commentators just do like, you know, a bunch of pre-recorded lines and just have them do like uh, pseudo like live commentary as you're playing as you're playing the sport in question, which I never thought that would translate to a fighting game, much less one that's like, you know. Uh, um, a fictional fighting game like Street Fighter, you know, the the, the UFC games do that because again, it's another it's, cause it's another realistic sports title. So, but I never would expect they do it for Street Fighter. It makes me wonder who they're gonna get to do the to the the shoutcasters for this. Because um, sorry, they list. do have a list of some people already. Okay, yeah. let me hear it. I want to hear a few. Doesn't I'm be all the, I I'm not gonna watch the video though. That's fine. I'll, I'll uh, I do. Out. I can tell you that uh, the first commentators joining the program are Jeremy Vicious Lopez and Aru, um, and they will have some more people coming up as well. But one other thing I did want to mention about this is that the commentary feature will support subtitles in thirteen languages for more accessibility, nice. which is also like super dope. Like that is really amazing. Cool. Yeah. This. this and what I'm really... excited about this. Oh, oh sorry, say, Chris, Go ahead. Uh, I haven't done podcasting for a while. I apologize. <laughs> You're good. Get in whenever but, you do. Um, the, the, the best thing about the commentary, I think, is like the real-time feedback of like how you can improve as a player. That's I think so that'd cool. Be great. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm really blown away by this. I was watching the mm-hmm. uh, Apple presentation, and they blew me away the other day. With I, I, Did you guys see that? WWDC 2022? No. No. So there's this like thing. I'm this is gonna be very short. There's this thing where like you can put your phone on your MacBook and then you can use the phone camera as your like actual camera instead of the MacBook camera, which is great because the MacBook cameras suck shit. Um but the coolest part is that like this wide lens camera on the bottom can somehow magically like reflect down so that you can show like it's like a top-down view while your camera is sitting like like this, but it's not looking down. But it like shows down, and it's really magic. I don't understand how it works. It's literal magic, and I will show you guys you guys the video after this because now you're all looking at me like I'm crazy. The shit is cool, okay? <laughs> it's just really cool, and this is also really cool, and I'm excited for really cool technology things. Anyway, uh, Sony. Wait, says hold on, already- hold on. Before yes. you move on, I just want to say one last thing about Street Fighter Six specifically. Sorry, yeah. Um. I do like that this game is going a long way to ha- be more accessible. We talked about the all the different languages that you'll be able to have for the subtitles. We talked about you know the the feedback improving your game in real time, and I also heard that in for doing the special moves that they also have um, 
both like a classic and like a modern setup where if you yeah. play classic, you get to do like, you know, the classic quarter circles or the charge motions <coughs> to do your specials. Or you can just do the modern where it has just like, I guess, like R2 and triangle or something like that if you're playing with a PlayStation controller. That's super dope. Yeah, I prefer I that. Yeah, I, th- I think th- I think that's what I'm going to do because <laughs> during my th- during the times where I try to get really good at five, I was getting the quarter circles down. But so many of those other motions were like so difficult for me that I was finding it difficult to like really get into the game. And I was like, uh. but this this sounds really good. It allow it allows, you know, a lower barrier of entry and then people could just focus more on the, uh, you know, the fundamentals and just like the nitty gritty of the stuff without having to worry about if they did their motion correctly. I think that's a very yeah. good thing. You know, it's, it, it can only help the industry get more people into the game, the genre, which I think that's a good thing. There's and a I don't know if you know this, but Street Fighter Five never had an arcade mode. Well, it did have an arcade mode further on, but when it launched, it did not have one. But I with Street Fighter Six, they will have one. So, so that's- much shit. And I will continue to talk so much shit about the launch of Street Fighter Five. Yeah, it was, it was the awful. worst. The game was not done. Like mm-hmm. there was nothing in that game. Like they literally launched a $60 title with nothing in it. Like, mm. there, it was bare bones as shit. It was horrible. Um, it looks like they've learned their lesson, but it, it like, yeah. I, I can't believe Capcom allowed that, um, to happen. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so PlayStation 5 sales have surpassed 20 million worldwide. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nobody cares. Alright, cool. Um, <laughs> on I thought it was a good metric. Um, so he's getting yeah. richer. <laughs> um, <laughs> Fair. Fair point. Um, so, moving on then, I uh, had Jeff Keeley. That's his name. Yes. Yeah. Jeff yep. Keeley has urged viewers to manage your expectations ahead of this week's Summer Game Fest show, which he said will be primarily focused on announced games. That's from VGCnews.com. So, uh, what VGC you're saying, Jeff Keeley, is we're not going to have a lot of world premieres. I mean,. So here's the thing. PlayStation is always like, Sony's always just like, hey, we're just going to show third party stuff. It's going to be really small. Yeah, Don't expect yeah. anything big. And then they throw Street Fighter 6 and Final Fantasy 16 in the are same. Third party, to be fair. But they're huge. They is my huge, point. Yes. Like, they're yeah. like, oh no, we're, gonna, we're not going to focus on big games. And then they throw in really big games and get everyone excited. I don't know, if, but did they ever say they're not going to do big games? I, I just heard third party and VR too. We PSVR literally too. had a... I'm actually not going to look it up now. Um, <laughs> point being, the language makes it seem as if they're like, yeah, don't be excited. This is going to be very like simple. And I know that because all of Twitter also said the same thing. Every time I mentioned something, the response was always just like, hey, they said VR stuff and third party titles, mm-hmm. so calm down. I, I um, think it's smart. Yes, so that's that's where I'm going with with this. Like, is this Jeff Keeley's way of like? Is he serious? He's really just like, look, don't expect much. Um, there's not much coming up. Or are we gonna get like a, a PlayStation uh, PlayStation reaction? I think honestly, yeah, I think it's smart for him to manage the expectations because you know he did say it's gonna focus focus mostly on mostly on announced games, and I obviously that means there are gonna be some like world premieres in there. Like actually though in addition to the announced stuff. But, you know, I think it's smart because, you know, if you don't tell people that they're going to complain that they are seeing more of this game that's already been announced and not legitimately upset that it's not, like, 
I don't know how long the presentation is. Let's say 30 minutes. 30 minutes of not just world premiere, world premiere, world I think premiere. two hours. Yeah, two hours, thank two you. Hours. Thank you. I, didn't, I didn't know the exact number, but thank you. Yeah, so two hours of people people will go in expecting two hours of world premieres. I'm like, bro, there's not two hours worth of games coming out this year, even for all the platforms. <laughs> Just yeah, yeah. So you know, I, I I think I think it's smart. I think it is smart. I and don't then wanna... people, what's up? I don't nothing. I was just gonna say no. I think it, I think it's smart. It'll you know people will expectations be managed. You know, and that means when the world premieres do come. Hopefully they're hype. <laughs> That's all we can say. Just Summer Games Fest has improved little by little over each year. That first one was garbage, but it's gotten a little better each time. Last year's was the one yeah. where the Elden Ring big trailer was there, and that was big. So, you know, hopefully we'll see something like that as well. I think we could get, like, DLC announcements, perhaps, like, for Elden sure. Ring or, like, oh, that's current true. stuff. When that, like, yeah, like, so I, I don't... I, I think it's smart of him to... Temper expectations because if you do really well, you're going to overwhelm their expectations. Then they're going to talk talk so much good stuff about uh, Summer Game Fest, right? Um, but there are a few things, uh, new reveals that are like rumbling in the you know rumor space. You know, <laughs> like um, I've heard there's going to be like a Crash Bandicoot Smash Brothers like game that's 3D. Okay. Yeah, we need yeah. another one of those. So, yeah, yeah. It'd be nice to see Crash back and maybe Spyro. I don't know. But and that's literally it. Like, who else? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be, I'm sorry, it, Chris. It, it, I feel like it, I'm sitting on what you're it, saying. It's not you. I, I, I would not lie. I, I, will, I won't lie. If they did, like, um, a, a platform fighter with, like, specifically, like, not like, I mean, I mean, obviously they did with PlayStation All-Stars, but if they didn't, like, specifically focus on, like, I guess mascot characters. I think that'd be pretty cool. Captain Price. If I'm Call of Duty. Oh no! Yeah, there we go. No, just no, do, no, that, there just go. Chris said it. Just do PlayStation All Stars too. That's what that's what he wants. <laughs> well, the only thing I will say is that I'm about to contradict myself because I know I said that I get mad at like companies that only do 35 minutes because I do, but I also don't want to watch two hours of this either. Can it just be like an hour? Hours nice. Can it be like- I I actually <laughs> I think, don't in, my, I, in my personal opinion for a game announcement thing, uh, at the neighborhood of 45 minutes to an hour 15 is like my sweet spot. I feel okay. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I, that's actually a great question. Like, how long would you guys watch a show like this? If you weren't going to, like, if you weren't going to do any coverage, like, you were just interested, but you knew that it was not going to be something with, like, big announcements, how much time would you set aside for it? Would you do the full two hours? Two hours is a lot. It is a lot for, for, it's a lot. Here's why I think it's a lot, specifically, not just because of the time length. It's because of what I think will be shown. Because with two hours, again, and the fact that he said it's going to be mostly announced games, there's no way that's going to be just like like that many uh, amount of trailers. It's going to be like I would think like ten to fifteen minute deep dives on announced games that people want to know about. I'm almost envisioning it as like Nintendo Treehouse, just like in smaller bursts. Because Treehouse, you know, is like pretty much like fifteen to thirty minutes on this specific game. I'm expecting that in kind of like a smaller scale, but throughout the two hours. So that's a lot of time. <laughs> I, I would almost just rather just like what know what games are announcing is like okay. Oh, I'm interested in this game. I'll watch 15 minutes or 30 minutes of yes. gameplay. 
Yes. Um, but but then if you don't know what they're showing, then you're just sitting watching gameplay of this game that you personally don't care about. It's like, all right, what's the next announcement? So I got I got things to do. What's what's we doing? So you know that's that's I think an important distinction. Uh, it, it's like a blind treehouse is not what I want. But if we're doing but <laughs> but to regarding to your question about like what's my like what's the amount of time like. I, I like I said, forty five minutes to an hour and fifteen. If it's actually announcements, I think is 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 perfectly acceptable. Do you know how many times I have watched these things and Gabe will attest to this? And I'm just like, this could have been a tweet, and this was so unnecessary to be put in this presentation. A lot of times that happens, and I feel like two hours is just. I'm hoping it's not filler, but it sounds like there's going to be quite a bit of filler in there. I think. Uh, but, you know, this is just me being pessimistic. Maybe I'll watch it and love every single game that's shown. Who knows? <clears throat> to me, like, I hope they fill that space with lots of cool indies, perhaps. Like, actual interesting trailers or interesting live, like, looks at the, this kind of stuff, yeah. you know? Um, because I feel like that's those are some of the best games that have been released recently, like, like the, the indie titles, because as every game goes open world and... <laughs> becomes a little bit you know less um inspirational i guess sure um but yeah like i'm i'm hoping summer game fest is a success i i hope we get a lot of good stuff like gameplay like i think he said there's gonna be a focus on gameplay so we'll probably see like <laughs> it's gonna be a, what i just said it was <laughs> yeah rather than cg you know um and well, i kind of prefer yeah. that like, no that's but, true, like that's if true. we saw if we saw like Star Wars Jedi Survivor or you know Final Fantasy sixteen, you know those those kind of games like Street Fighter six, I think it could be a I think it could be a success if they choose the right games. Like oh, God, I I'm just not looking forward to seeing Vin Diesel in Arc two. I'll say that though. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that they had, and this I know is not going to happen, but since we're talking about wish lists. I wish yeah. that they had uh, black voices in gaming there and Latin yeah. La Latinas in gaming or is it Latinx mm -hmm. in gaming and a whole like LGBT like pride section if they were going to do something like that. Like I wish they had indies and then I wish they had like spotlights um, because you're going to have a lot of people watching this. And I think that's such a great opportunity to not only talk about the big games, uh, but like you did mention, Chris, like the, the indie titles, but also everything in between. I watched... Um, I watched Black Voices in Gaming today. I think that's what it's called. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I watched the Black Voices in Gaming today, and it was awesome just seeing these creators making these indie games that look so, so good. Um, and I, I don't think it was at the top of Twitch today, but things like that I think really sh deserve that kind of boost because they're going to be providing um, opportunities for games that we haven't seen before. <laughs> I talked specifically about how excited I am for Final Fantasy 16, but also how there are more black people in Pokemon than there are in Final Fantasy 16, which is so disappointing to me. Yeah. So, like, it, like, it's just, it, it comes to a point where, you know, you kind of, I guess it's 2022 and it's still hard to see yourself represented sometimes in, um, in video games for certain demographics. Mm -hmm. So I really would love to see something where, you know, we got pushed to the forefront. Um, different marginalized groups got pushed to the forefront, right? It's Pride Month! Have a gay yeah. parade, Jeff Keighley! What are you doing? I want to see all <laughs> the gays on stage! What are you doing? <laughs> uh, no, I'm just... Uh, th that was a joke. He doesn't have to do that. Uh, but yeah, I would just really love to see something, um, something like that. Something that really gives... Uh, 
an open stage with that presence to be able to 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 boost up those those marginalized voices and also those indies that we get to see i, I actually like stray is going to be great but yeah. i want to play as a cat forever why did it take so long for someone to make this game uh you know like games like everything shown at usually at the nintendo directs they all look really really good i'm gonna move on unless anyone has any more um last minute comments on that one so anime expo Anime Expo is coming up. Um, And recently, they've been getting a little bit of flack because they have updated their COVID-19 health and safety protocols. And while face coverings will still be required inside the LACC, we will no longer be requiring proof of vaccination or a negative test for entry. This is a tweet from Anime Expo. Uh, Previously, to be able to attend, you had to have... um, proof of vaccination um or a negative test to enter as well as you were required to wear a mask they are now not keeping the requirement of a negative test or proof of uh, vaccination and um some people are hoping to get their money back after this um some people are happy now that that banner is lit that ba- that uh, uh what do you call that that whatever is lifted um so that they can go forward how do you guys feel this company is handling the situation? Like, if you had passes to go, what would you do? How do you feel about this this uh, current situation here? Given that it's a pretty packed convention, there's been a few anime conventions this year, and I've been hearing just stories about people who are still getting COVID as a result of it. So the Anime Expo being like, uh, ah, just masks are okay. It's just like, you know... I'm sure there's a lot of people that are fine with that, but I think there's a lot more people that are not because, you know, if you're going to like something that's like this packed with so many people, it's hard to feel safe about the, about these kind of things. And if you're just, if you wave like a certain restrict, certain restrict quote restriction on, on, on certain people, it's just going to make a lot of people feel unsafe. And I think that's the main reason why so many people are requesting the refunds because now an event that they thought was going to be safe is now not going to be so safe. There's a lot of people who can't, you know, if they catch COVID, it's, it's going to be a serious problem for them. I, I will also add that um, I follow a lot of anime, anime voice actors on Twitter, and I notice a lot of them are, like, kind of taking a stand to it. One voice actor just straight up says, well, I'm not going now. They're not wow. going to have my pet. Just to, yeah. and, then, and then another voice actor um, was uh, – he's been just, like, retweeting and commenting on the, the initial post, uh, begging them to reconsider because he would love to go, but – he doesn't like these yeah. conditions, so I've seen a lot of like very strong stances on the uh, against this, and you know, good on them. I think I think it's I think for the for the well not for the for the mental and 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 physical well being of people going to such a the, such an event. I just think it might be premature, but that's just my thoughts on it. <laughs> I just think the worst part is the way they decided to do this. It's like, you already got all these people to buy their tickets, assuming that there's going to be proof of vaccination or um, negative tests. And then like, you're just going to tweet out, oh, so um, we're we're taking it back. Just kidding. Um, Anyone can go now. You just need a mask. Like, that is not how you handle this type of situation. I honestly, I think that's probably the worst part about it. Just the way that they've gone about the situation. For sure. I'll think of the other side, though. Like, when do you think res- these restrictions should lift? You know, should, should it be in a year? Should it be in two years? Like, what, what do you think about that? 
I don't think that there's a time limit on uh, lifting restrictions. Mm -hmm. I think that, uh, honestly, I think that you just have to be upfront. Like, I wouldn't be complaining about this story at all if from the beginning they said, you know, only thing that we require are masks. Like, that's fine. Then people have that decision to go, right? Like, if COVID were not... Like, first of all, like, COVID is still an issue. It (laughs) is, We're literally on the rise again, so it's still an issue. So I don't... I personally think that um, keeping, keeping these restrictions in play is just healthy for everyone. So I don't think that... There should ever be, you know, like, until we're at a point where we don't have to worry about COVID, like, every day, um, then I personally think leave these restrictions. However, um, if they're not there, that's fine. But that gives people the choice to, you know, determine whether they want to go or not. And I think that's the real issue um, with this situation. So I don't don't know that there's a, for me specifically, like, I don't know that there's a timeline that they, they should ever be lifted. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. Yeah, I was just thinking Devil's Advocate was like, yeah, when, when do you think it's going to end? But, yeah. <laughs> Never at this point, because, like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. this happens! Like, yeah, how, exactly. Many, exactly. how many of your friends did you see come back from PAX and then post a tweet saying, hey, I got COVID, so check yourself, right? Like, yeah. that happened. I we unfortunately, happens, we're yeah. unfortunately, we didn't get to go, but, like, I just saw that on my timeline, and I'm like, holy shit, like, that's, that is a serious deal for some people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just doing this at the back end is kind of just like a fuck you to everyone, pretty much, who I, yeah, wants yeah. to be safe. Yeah, like, if they don't get their money back, that's just atrocious. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kelly, what about you? I haven't heard from you. How do you feel about this? Um, I mean, I think I agree with Jarrell just because it's like... You bought your tickets, hopefully you can get a refund. They changed, like, the rules about what was going to be happening there. Um, yeah, most people that I know that ha- went to any con or anything um, have gotten COVID. My parents have COVID right now. <laughs> like, oh, no. Sorry. They're not, they're not vaccinated, though. Like, they just refuse, so mm. fine. Like, suffer, Okay. Like, um, um, but I, yeah, I wouldn't want them to change the rules, but to be honest at the same time, like even with all the restrictions, you're still not safe. So Mm -hmm. even with all of that, you might still get COVID, even if with proof of vaccine, whatever, you might still get it and masks. And then like, then they just take away, like, even like the littlest precaution, like, so you just want people to get COVID. I don't, I don't know. It's like. I don't know, like I said, even with everything, you were still at risk, and now they just take away another layer of security for people. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I have a concert planned in the end of September, and please, I want to go. <laughs> Everyone get vaccinated and wear your mask. I'm so if I don't see my chemical romance, I'm going to die. Yeah. All right? <laughs> <laughs> but but that's the thing, right? When you when you purchase these tickets to go, um, did they tell you up front like whether it was going to be something that you need to uh, have proof of vaccination for, or was that just not mentioned at all? Outside, so I don't think that. Okay. I mean, it's a public space. I mean, I'm I probably still wear a mask, but like it's outside. I don't think that you can really restrict outside, right? Like yeah. I don't. Maybe. I'm not sure. But no, I don't know if that was laid out, actually. I'm vaccinated, so I don't really give a shit. <laughs> yeah. I got my proof. I, went, 
<laughs> I went to a Final Fantasy concert um, with this guy who wanted to date me who's probably watching. I'm sorry it didn't work out. You're a sweet guy. And, um... <laughs> And uh, we like drove there for like two hours. It was two hours away. We drove there. Horrible decision. Do not drive with a stranger for two hours. Well, he wasn't a stranger. Whatever. Uh, we drove there. And um, when we got there, he was like, oh, do you have your proof of vaccination? And I was like, bitch, why the fuck did you not ask me this two hours ago before we left? Like, like I do, <laughs> oh, no. but like... You should really be upfront with these types of things. Yes, Kelly, your face was my face when he asked me as we parked. Um, and if you're listening to this, I apologize that I'm talking shit. But, like, you really should have asked me beforehand. Um, but I was smart enough to bring it with me, right? Because it was, like, a concert, so it was, like, an enclosed space. Um, but I bring that up to say, even during that concert, like, when he purchased the tickets, I went back. There was nothing to say, like, it's one way or the other, right? There is no, like proof of a negative test or proof of vaccination or there wasn't even a thing about wearing masks like on the website when you purchase it um and so it's really strange for anime expo to be so upfront with the rules um when other people are not and then just like backtrack like that to me is yeah. uh, that's such a bad look because most places i think are not very upfront at this point that we are in like with the pandemic most people are not upfront, right? Like, if you go on a website, you're gonna have to, like, scroll to see what their mask um, mandate is. Like, it's not as prevalent on these web pages as it used to be. So, um, I think for them to be so upfront and out about it and then just back away is kind of kind of silly. Like, yeah. what do you think is gonna happen? Aside from lots of people asking for... Oh, well, I guess if more people would rather not be restricted, then I guess that's how you make your money. So maybe I'm wrong. That's what I'm thinking. Maybe they, they <laughs> just didn't have enough attendees. So. Yeah, so they want more people, and they're like, all right, drop yeah. the restrictions. We'll make more money this way. So maybe. Well, it's off for that, my opinion. <laughs> Maybe that's that. Um, so I'm gonna go back to some gay stuff because it's pride. Yay! Uh, <laughs> uh, Kevin Conroy, uh, he had a coming out story uh, in DC. Kevin Conroy's DC Pride story is DC's most important comic in years. This is from Screen Rant, written by Liam McGuire. Uh, legendary Batman voice actor Kevin Conroy is telling a touching personal story about being a gay man in one of the most important DC comic stories in years. In this week's DC Pride 2022 number one, the actor, best known for voicing Batman in the Batman, Batman the Animated Series, and numerous other DC animated films, video games, and television series, wrote an incredibly moving, must-read story about self-discovery. When it comes to superhero voice actors, Kevin Conroy is among the most iconic and recognizable voices in the industry. The New York-born actor became the main voice of Batman, the Batman animated series in the early 90s, while continuing to voice the character in Batman Beyond, Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, and DC animated films to this day. He also appeared as Bruce Wayne of Earth-99 in live action uh, during the Arrow vs. Crisis on Infinity Earths crossover. Um, yeah. Conroy is in the same league as Adam West and Michael Keaton regarding Batman's best portrayals, mm -hmm. and his take on the Dark Knight is definitive Batman for many. Um, so, basically, he has uh, this... Uh, actually, I'll, I'll go ahead and read this because it can explain it better than I can. Uh, as part of this week's DC Pride 2022 number one anthology, Kevin Conroy wrote an incredibly personal story called Finding Batman, alongside alongside artist Jay Bone and letterer Aditya Bidikar, revealing how finding Batman was a turning point in his life and identity. 
Conroy admits to putting on his own mask growing up in a devoutly Christian and troubled family, hiding that he was gay in his public life for decades. He recounts living through the HIV-AIDS epidemic in the 80s, watching his close friends die, and being called slurs by fellow actors and producers. Conroy struggled with doubts about himself and his career for decades until getting a call about a voice role for Batman the Animated Series. He writes that he related to Batman and what Bruce Wayne saw in Crime Alley with his parents, as he'd seen his father lying drunk in a pool of blood after he hurt himself during his childhood. Conroy asked if he had too many compromises in his public versus private persona as a gay man, which he related to Batman's struggles with his own dual life. As Conroy beautifully puts it, 30 years of frustration, confusion, denial, love, yearning for a sense of safety and identity was something he related to as it helped him form the voice that would become Batman. He felt Batman rising from deep within. Um, and then he also went on to post this really beautiful like video talking about the positive reception of people after they had read this comic. And um, I wanted to bring it up because I think it's such a an awesome moving moment to be allowed to tell this type of story um, in comic book form, right? Like you have the artists, you have the letterers that are putting out this, this, this piece that's so personal that he was allowed to share and then be able to come back and um, get that positive reception. Um, so shout out to you, Kevin Conroy. You're my Batman. My only Batman. <laughs> Just talking shit. Um, anyway, yeah, so he did that. It's great. You should check it out if you if you get the opportunity. If anybody wants to comment on this, please feel free to do so before I move on. I think that's a... I, I honestly, <laughs> before you introduce the story, I didn't even realize that Kevin Conroy was gay. But you introducing this story, but after you introduce the story, like, you know, him, him putting his personal life as like the dual, the dual identity he had to adopt in real life to the character of Batman who does, who deals with that, you know, of that dual identity. It explains a lot. Like he's like he he is considered, but like one of the best Batman for for a reason. Like. They keep calling him like he did it. He, he did it in the animated series in the Justice League cartoon, but then and multiverses and multiverses, and he just yeah. he just keeps getting the Batman role in like all these different animated things. There's like his his um, resume as Batman is is quite extensive at this point, and he's 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 earned it. Is he just has the perfect voice? He has the perfect portrayal. He understands the character very well, and now I understand why. And I think it's it's. It's both tragic, but it's also beautiful at the same time in the way that he uh, he has approached this character. You know, a lot of a lot of acting stems from personal experience as well. And the closer you can yeah. relate to that character in your own personal life, however that may be, it fuels your performance. And, you know, he's done a fantastic job with it. I'm, I respect him all the more now, honestly. And I already had quite a great respect to him before. Yeah, you guys should definitely watch that video of him just being so happy about the reception. Brandon, did you just say Batman is gay? I said Kevin Conroy is gay, which I didn't know before the stream. <laughs> it was a joke. Okay. That apparently was really <laughs> bad, so never mind. <laughs> All right, well, and, and because I'm, I'm very bad at jokes, I'm going to go ahead and move on. Uh, <laughs> Pretty embarrassing. Uh, so, happy Pride Month, as I mentioned before. I said it, and you know who else said it? FaZe Clan! Uh, FaZe Clan uh, tweeted on June 1st alongside a rainbow-colored version of their group's logo, Happy Pride Month, sending love to our LGBTQ plus friends, family, and community. 
Uh, some fans immediately cheered the sentiment on, but plenty of others disparaged it, sharing sentiments that veered from another L from FaZe Clan into more explicit homophobia. This mm. is from Kotaku.com, written by Ian Gack. Oh my god, so there's a Kotaku article that I can't talk about because I think it's been pulled, um, and the author on Twitter also deleted his tweet about it, so I couldn't even, like, show you guys... It's, never mind. I, never mind. I'll tell you after the podcast because I, I can't talk about it because it's gone. Um, anyway, yeah, so they tweeted Happy Pride Month and lots of people were just like, okay, FaZe Clan, take the L. This is like, and, and much more uh, homophobic things. Um, and one of the members of FaZe Clan, uh, whose name is Talal Virus Almalki, said that he doesn't support any kind of LGBTQ plus or anything on his Twitter as a response to what FaZe Clan posted. Um, and the reason that he did this is uh, because he said in his religion, they don't believe in that. So I'll give you actually his proper quote because I don't want to misquote anyone. Um, he qu quote tweeted the Happy Pride Month tweet from FaZe Clan and said, just to clarify that I don't support any kind of LGBTQ or anything similar, even if FaZe does. I'm a Muslim. That was his tweet. So, first of all, my first question to you guys is, how do you feel about companies posting Happy Pride Month in general, despite the beliefs of the uh, people underneath that company? Do you think it should be accepted? Do you think they should confer first with the team of members? How do you feel companies should go forward with something like this? Well, we've just talked about in the past, like, you know, how when a company does like something like to say Happy Pride Month and then change their banner or whatnot and make a statement, it's... It's, it's it, like so we, we've talked very cynically about about how like maybe it's something that they don't necessarily believe in or all that they necessarily believe in is just like very theatric performal. But, but it was like a performance, essentially. That being said, in this case, you know, FaZe made the statement and clearly not everybody in the FaZe group was on board with it, but they did it anyway. And that certainly gives me mixed emotions because on the one hand, they stood their ground and made a statement, even knowing they had people that would have opposed it. On the other hand, the fact that this is not a united front for them makes it really seem more like a performance than anything else. Honestly, I'm kind of torn. I, 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 I'm, it's, it's honestly, I'm kind of torn on it because here's the thing. Performers or not, I think it's proper that Pride Month is celebrated because, you know, I think it's important that that, that uh, the community gets to spotlight on this important important month, and, but at the same time, it's hard to not look at the, the company with, a, with, a, with an eye and be like, mm, "Do you really mean it, though?" Or are you just you know you're just trying to yeah. you know the times. It's I don't know, man. I would I, at the end of the day, I'd rather they make a the, any of them make a statement rather than none. I just it's just. You know, it's like how companies be, man. It's just like there's always just like a little bit of like um, nastiness underneath the, you know, the nice message. It's just the way it is. I don't know that I necessarily agree with you um, because just from my own experience, there is someone who wrote at HP Critical for a little bit and we had very differing views on um, uh, 
situations, I will say, in general, um, that went from, like, you know, uh, personal to political. Um, and so, I, of course, you know, I am going to post because I do believe in, like, LGBT stuff. I will post about LGBT stuff. That doesn't mean necessarily that they also believe in that. Um, so yeah, that doesn't mean that I don't, right? Like, me as the head of this company, like, I do believe that. And so I do want to support and I do post that. That doesn't mean that every person that is writing an HP Critical is going to agree with what I have to say or every statement that I put out. Um, so I, I don't, you know, there's no, obviously there's no way to tell, um, but I don't know, maybe, maybe Face Clan is just like, hey, we do support LGBT, our LGBT members, because there are LGBTQIA plus members in Face Clan yeah. who have, you know, commented on this. So like, maybe it's to support them, you know, you never know. I don't know whether it is uh, real or not, but sure. yeah, that's my, my, my response to what you said. Well, to be clear, to be clear, I want to just clarify. When I say that a company or any kind of corporation is saying is celebrating pride, I'm not necessarily saying they're lying. I'm not saying that at all. They could 100% believe what they're saying. I'm just saying that for two, well, two things. One, in the case of Face Clan, obviously it's not a united front. There's a lot of people in the Face Clan who are of the community and fully support the message or just allies and also support the message. But obviously we have some outliers there. And I think that's going to happen in any kind of large corporation that's like yeah. pushing. There's always going to be outliers that don't support the message. But, you know, they're in the wrong. Let's just, let's just put it out there. So, you know, I don't think what the, the overall company is lying. I just think that, you know, one is that there's outliers, and two, that sometimes when the message, depending on the corporation, some corporations I think are genuine about it, but some I think put out the message just as like a PR thing more than actually yeah. believing in the message, you know. So my question is, um, do you think that companies should then do this or not? Like, if if everyone under their banner doesn't agree, do you think they should still put out a, a general statement of support? I, I think they should. I, that ultimately, despite everything I said, I think they absolutely should. Okay. I think it spreads the message, honestly. Um, it's a good thing. But, like, if it's just a plain Jane kind of message, then it feels a little less sure. uh, sincere. Like, maybe just a donation to an LGBT charity, like the Trevor Project or something like that as well, would, would make go a long way. And just, uh, just spreading the message, like, and then, then doing something about it as well to help represent and LGBT issues, you know, the, the last, that's, that, that's a good thing. What about you, Kelly? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess that a lot of the stuff that companies do is performative. Like, if you look at, like, everyone changes their, um, sorry, am I, can you hear that? My cat's feet are going on. <laughs> okay, uh, sorry. Okay, I think it's done, sorry. <laughs> So I think that a lot of companies will do this. I don't necessarily think that, I mean, I think that there's a way as a company to kind of show, show your support and like, okay. you have to have a social media presence. So you have to like post something on social media. I don't know if that's all they did because I haven't looked into it. There's no win winning scenario in this, this point. Either way, well, either, either way, no matter how this turns out, phase will not be. Second upset phase. people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Worth it. Thank you, Brandon. That was worth it. He's been sitting uh, on that one for a while. He's been waiting for us to shut up. So, he can uh, so now let's talk about EA, guys. EA. Oh, EA. Um, let's talk about EA. Wow. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> I don't know what's going on anymore. Um, so this is an article also from Kotaku.com written by mm-hmm. Ethan Gack again. Vince Zampella, Respawn Entertainment General Manager and head of some of Electronics Arts' biggest franchises, spoke out on Twitter in defense of transgender rights ahead of the start of Pride Month on June 1st. Kotaku has learned that this rare display comes after an internal roundtable discussion earlier today in which executives at the FIFA maker once again faced questions from employees about its relative silence on these issues. Quote, trans rights are humans rights, Sambella tweeted on Tuesday. It is as simple as that. Respawn has grown on the principles of diversity, equality, and inclusion and strives to uphold those values. Let's be better humans. Um, as of this, uh, from the third of this month, EA has now joined Zempella, Bioware, and others in directly speaking out on transgender rights and women's rights following continued pressure from employees. Quote, I want to acknowledge the pain and fear that our LGBTQ+, specifically our transgender community, is experiencing in light of emerging legislation in the U.S. and ongoing attacks on their human rights. Chief People Officer Malice Singh wrote in a new blog post, As a company, we are united that trans rights are human's rights, women's rights are human's rights, our support is unwavering for our people, our players, and our LGBTQ plus communities. She said the company will donate and make a two-to-one match of employee contributions to organizations like Human Rights Campaign and National Center for Transgender Equality to Fight Discriminatory Laws and Policies Introduced in Texas and Elsewhere. Um, so I brought this up specifically because here's another case of someone speaking out in support of something and and in the opposite of face clan this company just didn't say shit like ea was just yeah, like yeah mm, that person that works for us is totally out there saying some some stuff and we aren't going to say anything about it until eventually they were pressured into making a statement and finally they did and that just goes back, you know, to our conversation of, um, is it genuine? Is this really something that you wanted to say? Um, any any comments on on this one? Oh, also, before I before I go on to that, um, EA employees were actually going to have a walkout um, as a statement supporting transgender and women's rights, and that walkout was canceled because EA finally said something. Now, <laughs> did they finally say something because they didn't want to walk out? Who knows? <laughs> But uh, yeah. that's the story. How are we feeling about that one? Oof. <laughs> uh, yeah, did they only say something because they were being held hostage of a walkout or something? Yeah. Pretty much. The, 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 like the, t- the timing of it really makes it seem like not genuine to me. Uh, their, their walkout was planned for June 3rd. Um, it didn't happen after the company finally issued their public statement on June 3rd. Yeah. <laughs> so they were like, oh shit, today's the walkout date, guys. Post something with the fan rights. Hurry. Post, Tell them to donate. Fans. Hurry. Before before the walkout starts. And Quick, then. They're yeah. walking to the door. Quick, finish the tweet. Finish the tweet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care about the typo. Finish it. <laughs> it's like. Also, let me just read you guys the, the what they posted. It says, As a company, we are united that trans rights are human's rights, women's rights are human's rights, our support is unwavering for our play our people, our players, and our LGBT plus communities, electronic arts. Unwavering. It was totally wavering until they were gonna walk out. And then it was yeah. like, oh shit. It's it's unwavering now, guys, we care. <laughs> And they, they do have they do have a link there that has a post um from uh, her but I will not read it here because it's long. 
like if you'd like to read it it's um on their on their twitter but like is it worth reading who knows at this point because like who believes them at this point <laughs> not i um anything on that before i move on <gasps> uh, okie dokie we're running out of time so i'm gonna rush through some things really quick nickelodeon's all-star brawl that game that came out that everyone said sucked. Um, just kidding. I don't Probably know. If it did. I was just kidding. I don't know. I feel like it did. Um, I personally <laughs> feel like it sucked. Um, when did it come out? Ooh, I don't even remember. It was like late last year, I want to say. But wasn't it? Sounds, was it right. Sounds right. Um, so, sure. So the game came out in October. It was the f- like first fighting game that I can think of in a while or at all that came out with zero voice acting. It was yeah. very weird. Because if you've seen any gameplay of it, it's literally like Nickelodeon characters like Sandy, Zim, SpongeBob, Patrick, CatDog, Cora, Lucy Loud, Garfield, Ren and Stimpy, Danny Phantom, all fighting each other in silence. There was there was ambient noise, you know, from you know the punches and kicks yeah. and, and the like environment, etc. But like all these very known Nickelodeon characters with very prominent voices were fighting in silence, and it was the weirdest thing to watch. Um, just go back and watch a video of the fight if you don't believe me. It's so strange. It is yeah. very awkward. It's not good. Well, good news! <laughs> Nickelodeon All-Star Bra has voice acting now! Yay! Yay! Um, and not only do they have voice acting, they also have items. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so now, now the game that was incomplete is starting to get complete! Yay! <laughs> Well, let me let what, me just let me just, let me just say this real quick in regards to this game. Um, I'm gonna just be real. I was I watched a few Nickelodeon cartoons, but I was never like a huge Nickelodeon guy. So this game was like, oh, okay, just uh, smash like with Nickelodeon characters, and then people started saying, oh, it has like them like the devs that like really like the competitor scene in it. Okay, so maybe it might be good. Then it came out, and like. A lot of this game's marketing has been specifically focused on people that like Super Smash Brothers Melee specifically, that community. Not just like Smash in general, but specifically like platform fighter, but very competitive. So the game came out and, you know, a lot of people didn't like the game because it was that very hyper competitive. It didn't feel like a casual game at all, despite it having Nickelodeon characters in it. So that's, I think, where the main divide came in, that it just didn't feel like it, it, it didn't feel casual enough. And then, of course, the fact that, you know, that game had barely any budget despite the, the uh, exclusively the gameplay. It, it's, yeah, with the budget they have, I, think, I still think they did a pretty good job with the animations and stuff and the sure. the, 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 the stages. Yeah, sure, but, yeah. Yeah, I agree. So I'm happy that this game finally got voice acting. And items, you know, that goes a long way into making this game um, appeal more to casual players than what the initially mar- initial marketing did where it was like very competitive focus. It's so weird that they went so hard in the competitive direction <laughs> for this game knowing that it had like all these Nickelodeon characters that it would mostly appeal to I, I, would, I feel like kids. But I guess they really wanted to get some of that competitive uh, fighting game blood in there. Either way, this game still doesn't really interest me that much. But you know what? It doesn't really matter. And I'll tell you why it doesn't matter. Because around the same time that this uh, voice acting update got dropped in the game for free, it is also out on PS Plus. I have downloaded it's it. Smart. I, I will, it's I will, It's It's brilliant. At least on the PlayStation side, there will be a lot more people tr- at least trying the game now. Maybe they'll buy the DLC and they'll get a little money that way. So you know what? I think it... I think it, I, I think it's ingenious. Like I was not willing to spend money in this game, but it's free, so you know what? I'm gonna try it. I'll see if I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. 
you know what? I, I tried playing this two or three weeks ago online. No one. As soon as I, tr- I played it oh. after PlayStation Plus, instant. Yeah. Instant connection. Yep. yep. Every time. Uh-huh. So it's awesome. Oh, what a waste of money. Like, waste of money? I don't yeah, know. Not like, you. Well, no, no, I'm sorry. Not you. I mean, like, what a waste of a money for this company because, like, I, holy I don't know. Oh, I, I don't think so. I think it did well. Yeah. It did well. Let me go look at that. I believe you. I'm not going to look now. I believe you. If you say it did well, I believe you. Just, I think it I, did well for the budget I, they had. As far as I heard, people bought it and never played it again. Right. So, that's, um, that's what happened. Like, like, like people I bought guess it and they just made didn't some play money. it. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, good for them. Um, so we were speaking a little bit earlier about conventions. So EA, I mean EA, E3. <laughs> E3 will return in 2023 as a physical and digital show. Yay. Yes. So you can all come see us all at E3. Yay! I really hope we can make that happen. I really want that to happen. I hope we can. It would be my first E3 if if, if it was. Yes, I really hope. I really hope they bring it back. Um, I don't know. So, because we have the situation where we have Summer Game Fest, IGN covering Summer Games their own way, we've got Capcom Showcase, we've got Nintendo Direct, we've got PlayStation State of Play, Um, everybody's got their own thing now. Um, Do you guys feel like, you know, a a physical E3 is going to be good for the community? Are you excited? Well, I know you're excited. Uh, But, like, are there any general feelings about it based on what we have so far? I feel like E3 is... Like it's supposed to be a trade event, you know what I mean? Sure. So yes. like, like developers pitching their ideas to game publishers—that's important, you know—and that's been missing for the last two years. Now people can just start talking to each other again, you know. Um, and I, I think I think that's a very important element of the industry we should keep in mind but also like i can't wait to meet the developers do interviews and um, publish previews and stuff like that that does go a long way to marketing a game yeah um so like i think it's good for pr it's good for uh you know journalists i just but i just don't i don't think it's a place where uh regular people should go to i don't think that's the place i think it's packs that people should go to not e3 interesting i don't know is it's it, there should be like a developer focused event like you know like, and like the media interacting with those people because gdc i've heard media interaction is kind of weird you know so e3 is the only place where like you can actually have um uh people you know who write for a living talking to the game the game developers and I, I feel like I tried doing that at PAX, and what happened was like it's my first PAX East, right? First PAX ever, and I went, went, I did, I scheduled a bunch of like appointments and stuff, and it was so awkward because what they do is they skip, they put you, like they skip the line, they have the, you skip the line, so you have a bunch of people in front of you. <laughs> it's so awkward because like. Now you're playing in front of like 50 people. Uh, it's not fair, is it? You know? Um, and it's awkward. It feels like, and, and in some cases, I won't mention the company, but they only put me on one game and then they just left me, you know, with nothing. <laughs> I've done that one game. Um, so, yeah, it can be awkward. Some, some press, um some pr companies do have like a back back area but most of the time like 90 percent of the time it was usually that but you're in front of the line 
Well, um, what I will say about E3 is that um, the 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 show floor is separate from you know the company presentations. So if you are like, I don't think it should necessarily be like separated just for press in that sense because like anyone can go to to like playstation like if playstation's at e3 anyone can go to the to the mm-hmm. theater and like watch that presentation that's super dope um but th- th- with e3 or at least how it used to be there is definitely you know like a you do have like an assigned time i i did some interviews there and we would like I think there were like four or five of us at a time sometimes and so like you would go and then just like just us press would sit down and like we would have a conversation with the developers and like we'd talk to them and it was really cool because like you you do have people that you know like around you being able to like if i don't ask a question and like chris is there he might ask a question that i you know didn't think about and so um the the way that it's handled i do think is very different from pax because also uh pax's entry fee is way less than e3's yeah. if yeah. i remember yeah. correctly as well like i don't know who's shelling out you know thousands of dollars for a ticket to e3 because that's and a some lot people of would I, I mean, I know people did, uh, but that, you know, if you're paying a thousand dollars, I do feel like you should get up in there with me. Shit, you paid yeah. way more than I did. <laughs> like, do what you want, buddy. Um, but yeah, you, you know, you're not wrong. It is, it is definitely, um, you know, I just, I, and I know that you guys are excited for it. So I guess I can just move on with that one. <laughs> well, uh, I was, I, I, well, I was oh, yeah, going to say as well, regarding to, regarding to E3, like coming back physical, digital, you know. <laughs> it's 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 very telling that they made this announcement here in June, on the eve of when E3 would be starting normally, and we have Summer Games yeah. Fest starting in its place essentially. Um, I think it was an it's an important timing of the message, really, because I think <laughs> between this year of E3 not happening at all, last year where it was digital only, and the year before that just not at all. A lot of people were saying we're calling for E3's doom and gloom, just uh, just saying that you know it may just never come back, it just may be dead. And the ESA is you know out here saying like no 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 we ain't done yet we're coming back next year. It is anyone's guess at how well it will do next year, but I think they want to make it very clear that it's not going to go away for good. And I think that's you know why they did it now you know. Especially around this time when people are really missing E3 and just watching all the, whatever else they can get instead, you know, letting them know that it's coming back. Um, I don't know if this will necessarily save E3 in the long run, but at least it's not. <laughs> at least, at least its execution has been stayed at least for a little longer. If if that's what if that's the future yeah. that we're expecting for the presentation. Yeah, I would like if if E3's fate is to die. I would at least like to go to one before it is it, it, it yeah. goes. That's so. That's it all would, I'm it would. It would just be nice to have a more professional kind of area than sure. Pax because Pax is nuts. Yeah, for <laughs> but, sure, for sure. I definitely yeah. get the, the, the distinction. I mean, also, it's just it is never going to be as it was. Sure, that, and I agree with that. And I agree with that because you have like. You have PlayStation, like, once PlayStation pulls out of, like, E3, I don't know if this <laughs> means that they're going to come back, but, um, like, I can only think, like, okay, sure, Nintendo's going to be there and Xbox is going to be there, and then there's going to be a bunch of indie developers. Have fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, not that that's bad. Not, like, that's not bad at all, right? Um, but, you know, like, if we're being honest, it's going to cost much less 
to, and I think we've talked about this before on this podcast, it's going to cost much less to put together a state of play than it is to pay for rented space out uh, in LA uh, to host an E3 event. Like, a lot less for these companies. Um, sure. Which is, I'm sure, why most of them have found that it's easier to reach a wider audience through something like State of Play, and then send, you know, um, send uh, journalists copies, or or, or n- not send them copies, but, like, have have them come out and watch p- gameplay of it, or try out gameplay elsewhere. Like, it does end up saving money, and it is still reaching um, everyone who would have seen it anyway. Possibly even more people than um, would have attended and watched the entire E3 event are going to be able to just tune in for this 35 minutes of the PlayStation State of Play and watch what they want to see, right? Like, Brandon is probably going to watch all of the Nintendo Direct, and I'm going to watch 15 minutes of it and see if I'm interested. Um, as opposed to, like, Chris, who's going to watch, you know, everything that's there at yeah. E3, like, the whole time. And mm-hmm. then Kelly's going to tune out when it's not horror games, right? Like, so, like, we're all different. Um, and so... I think it'll be interesting to see what happens, I guess, because it does work for these companies. Like, what they have been doing has been working. Um, and they've changed their marketing strategy uh, to to make it work in the middle of a pandemic, to make it work with not having uh, E3. Like, now we have Capcom. They're going to do their own showcase now. If this works for them, um, do they need to be at E3? Probably not. Uh, you know, they can join a, a they can join an Xbox presentation, save a lot of money. They don't have to have a presence there. And then anything that's not mentioned there, they're like, hey, on the week of E3, just watch our showcase. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Anyway, uh, it's getting late, so I got one more thing to ask you guys. There's a tweet by Dali Demovsky that says 2023 looks ridiculous for gaming, maybe the best year ever. And the games here are uh, Final Fantasy 16, Starfield, Redfall, PSVR 2, Breath of the Wild 2, Street Fighter 6, Dead Space Remake, Resident Evil 4 Remake, Suicide Squad, Exo Primal, Alan Wake 2, Spider-Man 2, Jedi Survivor, Wolf Among Us 2, um, and that is not including some of the games that we have seen recently, including uh, nothing, that's nothing from Nintendo, so we've got a bunch of stuff from Nintendo on the horizon. Um, that is some of Xbox and PlayStation there. But we've got even more. So it does look like 2023 is going to be the, uh, oh my god, what is that? The Callisto Protocol is not there. That really scary looking fucking game that was shown at the State of Play is also not there, which I thought was interesting. What a surprise. Um, so my last question to you guys is, with 2022 halfway over, before we look to 2023, are there any games that you think are Game of the Year contenders for 2022? so far in your opinion whether it be personal or just in general i'm i'm just gonna put i'm sure the uh the uh, the one that everyone thinks is gonna win game of the year is gonna be mentioned so i won't even i'll just say that my personal <laughs> game my personal the game of the year of all the games i've played so far has easily been triangle strategy just and and i mentioned this like last year when we did a podcast episode when the demo when the demo came out that's like if this game goes on the direction it's going it has the potential for my game of the year 2022 we're in halfway through 2022 and it seems like it might win this it's like it, there's still a few games to come out this year so it may still get overtopped but right now i'm really feeling that it might be the one because like 
I love the visuals. I love the voice acting. I love the music of the game, the gameplay, the different story paths that you can take as you go forward, how everything feels like it has like an actual weight to it. Just, it, 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 it just absorbed me. During the, during the weeks I was playing that game, like I, did, I was thinking about very little else. Just like what my decisions would lead into, how I would appropriately use my characters in, the, in each battle. Just, I can't wait to do another playthrough of that game. I'm working on some backlogs, so it's the only reason I haven't done it yet. But I desperately want to see how the other routes go as well. But I'm very happy with the first one I chose. Yeah. What uh, month was that released then? That came out in March. That was like pretty early March too. And there was like a demo that came out before it, which I played. <laughs> like it had like three chapters available, and I did like all three chapters. And then I did it uh, the the third chapter again because you could choose you, you could make your first major choice in that demo. So I saw both sides of the decision already before the game even actually came out. I'm so disappointed because I was I was like that seems like such a Jarrell game, and I haven't played it yet. But also, they talk a lot, and I tried playing it once, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, yo, so it is talking. So, so, so that's the thing. That's the thing too. I, I like a lot of previews of the game weren't feeling it because of there was a lot of dialogue, especially in last year's demo. That was definitely a, a big thing. I didn't personally mind it that much because I don't mind a game telling me uh, telling me a good story. But I do remember that when the game actually came out, like people were a little more receptive to the story once they actually got to the game. I think the problem was. When you're being demonstrated a game that you want to know how it plays, you're not as interested in the story. You want to know if you even like the game first before you are interested in telling a story. And so once people actually got their hands on the full game, they appreciate it a lot more because now they know they like the game, so they're all about the storyline gameplay balance. The balance could have been a little better, but for me personally, I never minded it because, again, I really, really like the story of that game. I actually started it, and I stopped because I was like, damn, y'all just keep going like are we getting anywhere uh but i'm gonna try again when i have time like i think the the reason i had that issue is because i didn't have time when i started playing it um and then so it makes me feel like i could be playing something else getting further somewhere else and like moving along but i'm, I'm definitely gonna try it again and yes this is my way of uh getting suggestions for games i should play um <laughs> it's the best way to do it uh so uh kelly i'll ask you next is there any game that you feel like is game of the year for anything that you've played this year um, the only thing I've played this year it was Evil Dead the game and Final Fantasy fourteen, but I don't think that counts. So, hey, um, Endwalker, did you play Endwalker? Oh, that was last year, wasn't it? Just yeah. kidding. <laughs> that was the end of last year. Yeah. So no new content mm. there. Um, the, I mean, I see this article that says that Evil Dead was actually voted May twenty twenty two's best new game. So. Yay for that. Um, that's the <laughs> only thing I can say about it. Um, I don't know. There's nothing really else. I guess the Callisto Protocol I'm looking forward to, but I can't imagine. If it's not The Last of Us, a scary game is likely not going to win uh, Game of the Year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the graphics look so good, and it looks like a good game. So, I mean, I guess maybe that or Evil Dead. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre game is coming out, but... I don't think these are game of the year contenders at all. Uh, they're just stuff I'm excited to see. So personal pick for game of the year, I suppose one of those. Fair point, Chris. I I think uh, my game of the year so far is kind of obvious, but it's probably going to be Elden Ring. Um, I've never liked the Souls games before. Or I've never really got into Sekiro either. 
So I was really surprised by Elden Ring. I played 50, 60, 70 hours of it. Um, I've loved it. Like, it's, it's the only game that's really stood out to me this year that was incredible. Um, just the big, massive open world, you know, the, uh, like, the ability to move to a different area. Like, if you're struggling with one boss, you know, it's not, like, linear. You could go all, all places and level up and... Um, yeah, just the amount of like world building as well is pretty immense. So um, I, re- I really liked Elden Ring personally. Um, I think Multiverses is, is going to be a highlight for me this year. I, I it just feels good. The connect like like the connection between players is really solid, um, and I like the characters so far and the the, the way it looks. So I think Multiverses is definitely going to be up there for me. Pokemon Legends Arceus um, is was a great game. <laughs> and um i think i, f- I feel um the open world kind of nature of it where like you're actually seeing the pokemon in the wilderness is just adds so much to it um but i feel like pokemon scarlet and violet have a real good chance of being nominated for game of the year but i i really feel like that i hope um, so yeah yeah like, I hope it's polished, like as it looks, you know, right so far in the trailers, it looks really polished. So um, I'm hoping that really stands out. But Moss Book Two as well was really good, a PSVR game. So that's 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 another one there. You know, it's so funny when you're describing Elden Ring. I was like, oh my god, he's just describing Pokemon Legend. I uh, know Pokemon <laughs> Scarlet and Violet. Like it's yeah. it's fine. He's literally describing Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. Um, yeah. I played Elden Ring. I, like you, have not enjoyed those games. Um, no. And Elden Ring was the first one that I was like, hey, I'm gonna spend four hours trying to kill this bitch. Yeah. And enjoy it. Like, when I actually... I don't know what they did. It yeah. really clicked. Like, it had never clicked before. And then playing Elden Ring, I was like, damn, this, I get why people really enjoy these games. Um, still I not feel like, I feel it's because, I feel the reason why it's like that is because you can see that the bosses can be defeated rather than okay. last time where it just seems insurmountable. So, yeah. yeah. they just It's not game of the year for me, though. I personally don't like open worlds that much, um, so it's whatever yeah. to me. I like linear games. Tell me where I gotta go, because I got, like, an hour to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let me know where I'm going, let me know how long it's gonna take me, and then I can move on to the next one. Um, the thing that also I don't really care for about Elden Ring, although I've really enjoyed it, is the way that multiplayer works. Um... It's just not, it's really annoying. I, it's mm-hmm. fun when it works. Like I got my, my ex-boyfriend and Gabe, who's on the podcast and, um, they came to like help me kill a boss. I was like, fuck this shit. Like I'm so annoyed. Yeah. I can't do this. Um, but just getting them into the game with me at first was ridiculous. But once it worked, it was just a lot of fun to be able to do that multiplayer. So yeah, yeah I, I really enjoyed what I've played of Elden Ring. I haven't finished it. Um, not game of the year there's yeah. nothing for me that has been game of the year. Maybe it will be Pokemon. Um, but I will definitely try out Triangle Strategy. I will definitely play more of um, Elden Ring. I will not be playing the Callisto Protocol. I will watch Kelly stream it. Um, and hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, if I'm not too scared, I'll play it. I will be playing The Quarry this Friday. Um, yeah, afterward. I hope that's good. Um, I really hope it's as good as Until Dawn was, mm-hmm. and not like the rest of the anthology. So we will see. Um, but yeah, it's 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 gonna be a good gaming year next year. This year's been okay, but we'll see what yeah. happens. Um, at the end of this year, anyway. Thank you so much, Chris. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> it's been so fun. 
Thank you uh, for talking to us, being open, and uh, just being cool and being chill, being here, uh, and just chatting with us. Uh, it's mm -hmm. wonderful. It's been a great time. Thank you, Kelly. And thank you, Brandon. Yeah. And um, thank you, everyone who listens. And uh, Chris, can you plug your socials, please? Yeah, um, my socials, at Penwell Writes on Twitter. You can find me. Uh, I'm writing for Double XP and uh, Nintendo Link and uh, Tech Raptor. So you can find me there. Um, I usually tweet out my stuff. So maybe just follow my Twitter and then you can read my stuff from there. Um, but anyway, guys, thanks for having me. And uh, may your heart be your guiding key. Yes, yes, sir! <laughs> I think I have that tattooed somewhere. Eh, we'll see. Oh, really? Maybe. I don't know. I have oh, lots of tattoos. Okay. I actually don't remember. Um, okay. <laughs> it's pro I think it's on here. I don't know. Whatever. If I don't, okay. I'll go get it. Whatever. Okay. Anyway, with that, uh, thank you guys, and good night, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Bye.